This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and joining me this week are Kevin, Natalie and James to talk about Burnley's return to the Premier League. A 1-0 win over Queen's Park Rangers at Turf Moor. Sealed by a sandbox header was enough to send the Clarets back to the top flight and immediate return to the Premier League after Brighton dropped points at home to Derby earlier on Monday and Middlesbrough slipped up away at Birmingham City on Friday night. James, this is three promotions in seven years now and Burnley really starting to feel like a, a bit of a yo-yo club. It's starting to feel that way quite a bit. Um, I think this time it's a little bit better because we've done the two so close together. Obviously, I think after the first one, the way we came back down and then uh, performance, the positions we were finishing under Eddie Howe, I think in some ways we're almost starting to you know feel like we're just going to become a, a mid-table championship side again with you know a little chance of getting back up. Um, Obviously, we made it back up, and now we've managed to do it at the first time of asking. And I think the style we've done it, in, you know, helps as well. Obviously, we've only lost ten of our last ninety-three, I think it is, at uh, the championship level, which is, you know, an incredible record. And I think it shows the consistency that we've had in the championship. And a large part of that is because we managed to keep hold of a lot of the players. And obviously, I think Dash is the the person to credit for that. An unbeaten run of twenty-two games as well is a fantastic achievement at any level. I think that's been underplayed by, by some quarters considering the form of some other teams yeah I believe as well that it's actually a record equally post-war run for the Clarets I've, I've seen the same thing yeah so yeah I, I, I think obviously time. Saturday would beat it but the, I think the previous one as well was spread over two seasons which makes this one a little bit more special that it's all in the same season and uh, I think I've seen as well that it'll be our you know, longest unbeaten finish to a season by a long way, if we can, uh, you know, get a winner or a draw on Saturday. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to. Hopefully, we'll be able to keep up the unbeaten run for a bit next season as well. <laughs> Natalie, three promotions in seven years. Is, is there any way that it's starting to feel a bit old hat, or is it still massively exciting? I think it's a combination of both, isn't it? I mean, I think everybody's writing that this promotion does feel different. It feels. You know, it feels like it was expected, and I think if we'd have finished in the playoffs and and got not got through the playoffs, I think people would have been largely disappointed and somehow seen this 
season is not living up to what the expectation was and what the plans were. But I don't think I'll ever get over the feeling of being promoted to the Premier League. I never thought I'd ever see it once in my lifetime. And next year, I'm going to see it for the third time, Burnley playing in the Premier League in the season where the the television deal is bigger than it's ever been. There's record finances and we're going to be part of it. And I don't want to ever lose that ever because I just think it's far too amazing an achievement. So whilst we may come to, I guess, accept that we are a better run club than we were maybe 20, 30 years ago, that we're in a much healthier place and we've got ambition that we've never had before or at least never been able to match before, it's still a great feeling and I don't want to lose that. I agree, Natalie, what you said about it, it feeling different. I think all three of our promotions have, have felt different in different ways. I think the first one, um, we almost felt it was, we were the, the plucky underdogs, really. We'd come in at the last minute and it was, we were the underdogs. But I think the second one, uh, last time around, was, oh, yeah, we were still slack, we were still unexpected. But because we'd been up at the top all season, we felt uh, a bit more like a dominant force. And I think this time you feel like, um, we're starting to become a real deal and this could be the time when we when we go ahead and really um, stay up, hopefully. I think the the, the difference for me is that it, it was expected and we didn't buckle. Um, obviously, we'd seen Middlesbrough have that winning run, but they've now drawn three in a row. Brighton looked quite nervy, I felt, in the Derby game. And although we didn't play well against QPR and we'll come on to the game itself in a little while on the podcast... We managed to get the job done, and that's that's what we've done all season, James. Even when we've not played well, we've got the points, and nobody can argue. Even if you're a bitter fan of another club, nobody can argue that Burnley haven't been the best team in the league. No, I, I think we've done what you know people always say that classic tabletop insides do, and that's we found a way to win. Um, you know, you don't have to play your best football every week. I think we saw we've seen in the past actually that there's been times where we've been playing. You know, magnificent football. I think there's spells in our Premier League campaigns where we did it, um, and we were still getting, you know, roundly beaten. Um, so sometimes playing the best football you can isn't always the best way to, to actually get results and, and finish the season on a high. But at the same time, I, I believe Sean Dyer said that you know a lot of people have said that we don't necessarily play our best every game. He said, but we're 22 unbeaten. We can't play bad in all of them. Well, it was quite interesting that Dash was very keen to stress that we've done it playing four four two and quite a traditional, old-fashioned, some people would say, formation and style, but Leicester City have also won the Premier League by playing a four four two, very traditional, old-fashioned. Um, so maybe it's going to come back into fashion. Who knows? Um, Kevin, if you were to pick out the, the, the big factors in our promotion, the reasons why we've been able to do it, what would be at the forefront of your mind? It, it's definitely it's definitely that uh, that ability to to win games. Um, like like Jim said, we've we've not been at our best for for a lot of uh, in a lot of games. It's that that strong jaw, as as Sean Dias likes to put it. I think I think the the theme for this season for me has been waiting for us to come to to put performances in. We've still we've we started the season talking about okay we're grinding out results but we're not really uh, playing as we could do. Um, um, but we, we were sure it was going to click into place soon. And it's it's almost felt like we've spent the whole season waiting for that to happen. And like James said, there's been a few occasions where we've, we've played really, really fantastic football. But on the whole, I, I can't think of many games or many periods of, of, spell, of, of a few games in a row where we've been playing really fluid, fantastic 
um, amazing to watch football. Um, it's almost every game that the, op- the opposition manager has come away saying we deserved something out of that game, but we've not got it, and we've played really well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's that ability to... We know how to win games. We know how to... When we've got the lead, we know how to close it out. Uh, when we're not playing well, we know that we can go up there and, and create something. We've got different ways of doing stuff, and we can create something even when uh, it might seem like things are not going our way. And that's 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 been the reason we've been promoted, really. If we promote it on the performances alone in terms of a spectacle, uh, we probably, probably wouldn't be up there. But it is that. It's, it's knowing how to win games, and that's that's been absolutely crucial. Natalie, Dash pointed out that... that one of the big reasons it's been so impressive is that we've managed to get promoted while keeping the books balanced. There's obviously the the profit announced recently of £30 million. We've also since then had the, the Danny Ings Tribunal fee announced of £6.5 million, which means that our net spend on transfer fees this season is going to be virtually zero, I would say, on the, the estimates we've seen for most of the players. So the the money that's sloshing around in the league, the fact that we've been able to do this, yes, we've got parachute payments and things like that, but it's a real indication that sometimes hard work and spirit and character, as we've seen with Leicester City, it can mean that you perform better than having a lot of expensive players. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's not the the fashionable way is it you know that's not what happens in football the fairy tales in modern football that we're used to hearing are the big investors the foreign owners the headline signings the deadline day um you know big names that are coming in as the clock's coming down on sky's deadline day and actually there's you know the the top hopefully you know depending on what happens at charlton but the top side in the top two tiers of english football this year have done it without spending a ridiculous amount of money by getting a team together that is widely considered to be a big team um, spirit and and be together as one particular unit. And they have done that just by grit and determination, like you say. So I I just think it's, it's, it's a good advert for football, whether or not that continues or whether it's deemed to be a bit of an anomaly and that it's going to, you know, it's just going to be a one-off season and actually things go back to how they always have been in that Burnley, you know, do have to spend to try and stay open, compete and Leicester, you know, fall away maybe next season and don't do what they want. I don't know. But certainly for this season, we should be applauding the way that both of us and Leicester have gone about our business and saying that in the criticisms of modern football, we have proven that you can be done. Absolutely. I think uh, the proof will be in the pudding next season one, seeing how we perform and how Leicester perform. I think it's important to note as well, because there will be people screaming at their listening devices now that Leicester brought the the FFP rules and the went into administration so they did it a slightly dodgy way compared to how we've done it but certainly on the pitch I think there's a lot of similarities between ourselves and Leicester um, James I think Dash said that he thinks this promotion was even more impressive than the last one because of the way it was done obviously it's difficult to compare promotions because all the scenarios are different but if you were to try and rank the three to the Premier League would this one be at the top or in the middle? Um, I, I think I put this one at the top. Um, I think what Dash was saying was, was that um, from the point of view that this time we were sort of fancy to do it was what made it so difficult. Um, and I somewhat agree with that. And obviously the position we put ourselves in around Christmas, I think if we'd done anything other than got up automatically, uh, it would have been deemed a failure. Whereas if you'd looked at it maybe... Um, you know, the first week of August, 
you might have been saying actually top four is a, you know, a fair result for us. But you know, we, we set our stall out early, and I think it was clear from that point forward that you know the expectation was there that we were going to be challenging. You know, particularly when you heard the comments from people like Mick McCarthy, etc. Um, and that it, you know maybe piled on the pressure a little bit more. And I think we did a really good job of not showing it affected us. I think if we were to go back to the start of the season, Burnley would have certainly figured in a lot of the pre-season predictions. And I think most of us on the podcast were talking about top six as minimum. So to be top two, we've exceeded expectations, I think it's fair to say. Um, to come on to the game itself then, not a great performance, I think it's fair to say. The first half in particular seemed... Um, I, I didn't think Burnley turned up, to be honest. Um, but Natalie, the, the result is what counts, as, as Dash pointed out after the game. and. I thought it was fantastic to see that the, the man who made the difference and scored another goal since the turn of the year is Sam Volks, who, of course, missed so much of the last Premier League campaign through injury. Absolutely. What an occasion for him. And obviously, I think people know I'm a bit of a fan of Sam Volks. He is my favourite player. a little bit of a fan. <laughs> just a bit of a massive... I'm going to try not to fangirl on the podcast about <laughs> Sam Volks now, but in all seriousness... We were all heartbroken for him last year and people who followed the Non and Ever podcast for a long time will remember the letter um, that we wrote when he got injured last season that we collated all of the fans' comments and all of their well wishes and sent them down to um, our... Um, you know, sent him down with him on his train down to his operation. And, and you know, he felt that that had a real impact on, you know, getting him through the really difficult times. It felt to me yesterday that the football karma gods redressed some balance and that they gave that to him. And for him to score the winner after missing out last year and being on that pitch on crutches just feels to me like some balance has been redressed and I'm absolutely delighted for him. Good point on that, that letter to, to folks, Natalie. I think, basically, I think all Burnley fans should say thank you to Nolan Never because we are very, we, we, we got us promoted. Well, not just Maybe with that, that, but letter. With, with Natalie's reverse psychology throughout the whole season, it's, it's basically guaranteed probably a dozen, 15, 20 wins. That is so true. I don't know why everyone's going on about Dash getting us promoted less than a year after we got relegated when, when clearly it was all down to us. It is. No, well, no, never. We are the, we'll the... A, a thank you card from the club in the, <laughs> in the next few days. I can't believe we weren't mentioned in Dash's acceptance <laughs> as yesterday on Sky. Where was our specific mention? I'd I, like to thank the No, no, never team. I was trying to get on the pitch to join in with the parade and the steward stopped me. I was like, don't you know who I am? I'm the host of the No, no, never podcast. <laughs> Kevin, we've talked on the, the podcast before about how some of the players seem to have a connection with the club and players like Trippier and Ings left in the summer but Sam Volts is certainly one of those he seems to, to get it, he's happy here he's a player who's been at probably a dozen different clubs he's bounced around various places on loan but he's found a home at Turf Moor and it really shows in his football since the turn of the year he's been fantastic Definitely, and I think saying he's got a home here is is exactly right. And I think those are the words that he he used. It's interesting because he was. I read an interview with him um, just just before the turn of the year, I think it was, and he was talking about how he'd never felt at home before he came to Burnley. He'd he'd been all over the place, and he was talking about how how difficult it was to to really settle in anywhere. He'd never really felt um, truly wanted by any club, and I think. That that's what he that's why he's now he's it's probably the first time in his career really he's an integral part of a football team, um, and and that's been huge for him. It's also just before we, that interview actually was just he just before he started scoring for fun, 
um, and he said um, he said that he, he was he was really disappointed with his goal his goal tally for the season so far. And I think he's got is it fourteen goals he's got this season, but eleven of those has come since the turn of the year. So it's a it's a fantastic uh, second half of the season for him. Um, you know, it took him a little while to get going in term, in front of goal after that that long period out, but he's been absolutely throughout the whole season. He's been, he's been fantastic. It took him a little while to get going to his full form. But he was still playing well in the early stages of the season, but since since New Year, he's been absolutely phenomenal um, and a huge part of the reason why we're back in the Premier League. So yeah, it was, it was fantastic and, and fitting to see him him getting the goal that sent us back up. The thing with Sam, I think, is that he's such a team player. Even if he's not scoring goals, he brings so much to the team. It amazed me before Christmas when people were talking about, oh, Gray's getting the goals, we need a new partner for Gray because Volts isn't doing it. I was like, we got promoted with Volts up front a year ago. (laughs) He's obviously good enough. Um, James, the the performance itself wasn't great, was it? But do you think maybe the fact that Bryson played immediately before us and then we knew that promotion was up for grabs. Did that have any impact on the amount of pressure that the players were under? Um, yeah, I think it did, to be honest. Uh, obviously, there was a, a lot of lot of fans in the fan zone um, watching the Brighton game. Uh, and the players were probably still warming up about the time the game finished. So, um, quite a bit of the difference would be because I came out on the, con- the concourse just after the game finished and the players were just going in. So, they definitely would have heard the, you know, the chase of the Burnley fans watching. Um, and they would have known that only meant one thing that obviously if we if we won we'd done it. Um, so I'd imagine that it did put a little pressure on them. And I, I think a little bit as well that the the challenge early on uh, Barton sort of unsettled the game a little bit because obviously Porter was really lucky to get away with just a yellow for it. And then there was a few other offences where he could have easily been booked again. Um, and I think it did upset sort of the, the pace of the game and, and put the burn players off the game a little bit. Um, but obviously, I, I think we did pick it up a little bit in the second half, but it, it was always going to be difficult because I think the crowd got a little bit nervy when we hadn't scored by half-time. So um, I think it was just, you know, nerves all around, really. I was certainly nervous. Well, it wasn't so much nervous that we hadn't scored. It was that we've not created anything we weren't really in the game I thought QPR dominated it and we were relying on Tom Heaton really to be level at half time but you're absolutely right about that tackle it's one of the worst tackles I've seen this season I think and he's very very lucky not to be sent off I suspect if it was a bit later in the game not two three minutes in he might have been sent off um, yeah the referee was shockingly lenient with him well I think referees are often like that they only have to watch the Spurs Chelsea yeah, game on Monday I'm, night I mean yeah no, I actually meant going forward though, because he, he gave him a last warning. Um, and I actually think if we hadn't got the free kick that led to the the winner, he could have got booked uh, the challenge on me that the referee would play on. But I think the free kick that we eventually scored from sort of distracted him from going back and you know, serving some justice. But it was, I don't know, I think it was quite a strange game from that point of view. I think you have to stop the game, don't you, if you're going to go back to send somebody off. So maybe that was a a factor. Someone was talking about that on TV the other day. Um, Natalie, I I don't suppose there's any point asking you if you were nervous during the game, is there? You always seem to be nervous no matter what's going on. That's true. I'm not really known for my calming. (laughs) Did you you have a bad feeling about it? (laughs) (laughs) Funnily enough. No, do you know what? Actually, all joking aside, for most of some... Monday, Sunday, when did we play? 
Monday, yes. I was really calm. And I think it's because I didn't expect that promotion was going to happen this weekend. I'd absolutely psyched myself out to it being the last game of the season. Just because we needed both Brighton and Borough to drop points. And I just couldn't see, maybe one of them had a push, but I just couldn't see a possibility where both of them were going to drop points. So even after Friday's bonus went, when Middlesbrough dropped points against Birmingham, I thought, okay, well, fair enough. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've dropped points, but we're still going to get through the Brighton game. And it wasn't until the Brighton game finished, which was only like, what, half past four. And then our game kicked off at quarter to five. I was sat there thinking, oh, my God, I'd totally not mentally prepared myself for promotion today. And I got onto the ground, just thought, I can't do this. This is, you know, it's like almost like it was um, panic in a very short space of time. So I was relatively calm for most of Sunday. I started to really panic at half, at half time because it was just so very typically Burnley to get stage fry in the first half of that game and just put us through just one more 45 minutes of hell before we got the job done. It was uh, it, it seemed to be very appropriate for how we've played this season. But yeah, I think once we'd scored, I was absolutely fine. I didn't see us conceding and I was pretty confident we were going to do it. Yeah, I think um, also, I'm sure it was great for neutrals who were watching the games at home on TV, but not much use having, what, 20 minutes between games when a lot of people were trying to watch it in the pub and then get on the turf. I think I missed about a minute of the game. There were a lot of people behind me still trying to get in, so it's just as well we didn't score early, um, really. Kevin, the, the game itself, as we mentioned, a bit of a non-event, really, but the fact that we were able to to hold on and get it done, QPR didn't really offer that much, but it, it's just a, another sign of the, the defensive stability and relentlessness of the team that they just find a way to win. Definitely, yeah. Um, you look at, there was a start somewhere, I think it was something like 27 games we've taken the lead, we've scored the first goal and won 24 of them or something like that. Um, when we take the lead, you can be you. You feel very, very confident that we're that we're we're going to win the game. Um, yeah, I I agree. But there was a bit, maybe a bit of trouble with uh, the the Derby game, uh, the Derby Brighton game being so so early on, um, so quickly before the match. And I think the, the atmosphere maybe in the first ten minutes or so seemed maybe a little bit affected by that. You didn't get as much of the build up. Um, but I, in, in terms of the, the actual nerves for myself watching it, I think it, I, I thought I thought it was I didn't feel nervous at all actually. Even even after half time, um, the fact that Borough and Brighton have both dropped points, I, I I just felt very. I thought I felt even if we'd um, even if we'd drawn the match, I was still and it had been very disappointing. But I, I, it would have been devastating. I, I still felt quite confident that that this was it. So it, it was a weird feeling actually because I, I expected it to be to be. You know, biting my fingernails, being unable to to keep still. But actually, I, I was relatively calm throughout the match, just because I know I, you know we can do it. And particularly when we when we got the we got the goal, that was it. That was it, pretty much game over. I suppose we had the cushion of the extra game as well, knowing that even if it it did all go wrong, we would still have the opportunity to to put it right at Charleston on the last day. Of game we'll come on to later, and we're also going to speak to someone from Card, the organisation. Um, coordinating some of the protests to find out what's what they've got planned for Saturday and what Burnley fans can do to stay involved. Um, Kevin, in the build-up to the game, we were all trying to work out the permutations, working out if we could get promoted if Brighton drew or if it was a, a win for Brighton, if it was a 1-0 win or a 4-0 win, but 
in the end it came down to something quite simple. Burnley just needs to win and all the working stuff out on spreadsheets turned out to be for nothing. That's it. I think me, you and uh, I think it was me, you and Natalie had a Pulling our collective brain power to work it, it all did, out. It, it did take us about half an hour between us to work out what the hell was going on. That hurt then, my head so much. <laughs> and then about an hour later, it was all it was all a waste of time. So, <laughs> yeah, thanks, um, Burnley. <laughs> but it came from all I'm not entirely sure we nailed it anyway, so it's probably a good thing that it wasn't needed because we'd have just shown ourselves up with our really terrible calculations. Yeah, and it, it 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 probably was a good point. You 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 had that nightmare. You could just imagine if it was all down to goal difference and goal scored and all this, and you get to the end of a match, um, you'd have fans around the pitch thinking, "Have we have we done it? Do we do we celebrate? Do we not celebrate? Do we get the abacuses out?" I think because it was all going to be about goal difference, and I think the possibility of a a swing on the last day was going to mean that it, it couldn't quite. Be done theoretically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think it would. It was. It was one of those where it would have been. It would have been promoted. Pretty much, it would have taken a a pretty uncharacteristic and catastrophic defeat at um, at Charlton for it to for it to not be um, not be promotion. But that that didn't happen. So hooray! So we were able to celebrate the promotion on the pitch after all. Why are we talking about uh, goal difference though? A draw on Saturday, unless Borough Brighton goes completely against anyone's expectations, actually means that we're, we're probably champions as well. That is very true, although I'm sure Burnley fans will want to seal the title with a victory. Um, we'll come on to the Charlton game a bit later, but beating QPR meant that we could have the celebrations on the pitch there, but people still as enthusiastic about invading the pitch, even though it is three promotions in seven years. It might have even been bigger than the the pitch invasions last time I was fearing for the safety of some of the players at some point that struggling. I think out. Joey Bart is still is still being surrounded by fans on the pitch. <laughs> I didn't think he was gonna get home. I thought it was gonna be a long time to be able to get off the pitch. You've got to get on the pitch and get your promotion selfies, otherwise promotion doesn't count if you don't have a selfie to prove it. <laughs> Barton was the, the person I wanted to come on to next actually. Obviously the players were all doing interviews while they were going around the pitch and on their the fully deserved lap of honour but I thought it was completely typical of Joey Barton that while everyone was talking about how brilliant promotion was and what a great feeling it was the Sky cameras I think went to talk to Joey Barton and he, he just said uh, well I came here to get promotion and we haven't done that yet and that was just so typical of Barton's will to win that even when promotion is secured and a lot of people would then be ah well we're up not bothered about the title Barton's still completely determined that we're going to go on and win the league, and James, you'd have to you'd have to guess that we will go and do that because there is so much determination in the squad, and Barton's been nagging them about winning the title all season. By the sound of it, yeah, no, I, I think we'll go and win the league, partly because I mean, what sort of fight are Charlton going to put when they're already relegated? Um, you know, it, it just sounds like it is such a demoralised place to be, Charlton. And, um, you can't really see him coming out wanting to big back. But also, I think in a way, though we've still got pushed to, to make sure the title is secure, there's no pressure really because we know we're at least promoted. So um, it might be that we go out and play maybe some of the best football we've played all season. I think he's, um, he's sure Joy Barton, he seems so focused on, on that in goal. Um, 
and you know, I think he it was. He, did he refuse? To, I think he, he didn't go to the PFA awards, did he? Because he, he essentially said, "I don't want to go to these awards because the, we've still got a lot of work to do yet." And yeah, I think that, he had a game on Tuesday night, so I mean, the, yeah, so the that, rest of the team went. So I'm not sure it really <laughs> was a point, but yeah, but I think that just shows how focused Joy Barton is. Um, part of me hopes we it thinks it'd be quite if we do get beat on Charlton I'm not going to say I hope we get beat on Charlton but if we do get beat by Charlton it'd be interesting to it, a, a kind of side side effect of that would be interesting to see if Joy Barton does does get on the uh, on, on the open top bus um, purely because obviously he, he mocked us last time for coming second and having an open top bus and if he he seems like a man sticking to his principles so if not going to your awards ceremony so would he be there? It, it I expect it to be his header pitcher, him on the open top of Twitter. <laughs> that's, I think that's what needs to happen. I love this tweet Alongside his tweet. He said the tweet today, I think he maybe deleted it afterwards, but he posted a selfie from the train station saying, I can't hear much from Brighton and Middlesbrough fans on my timeline today. Top piece of trolling from Joey, he's been talking about his, his desire to make history, Natalie, and he seems really driven by this title. It's what's been motivating him all season. Yeah, it certainly does. And I, I do like having winners like that in our side. And I think it's a really good influence on the side. Um, I don't know whether it's a personal thing that he wants himself, whether he wants that winner's medal or whether, he, you know, it's it's something that the whole team have been talking about all, all season. And you he's just he's, being... He's probably got a course in his contract saying if only win the league he's got a million <laughs> quid or something. <laughs> That's true. We have talked about that before, about possible incentives for his side. But, you know, for, for all we know, it, it could be either Barton's own personal uh, drive or it could be the team's drive. I think we heard in some of the post-promotion um, interviews, the team saying that they sat there after the defeat against Hull on Boxing Day and they all agreed in that dressing room that they wanted the title. And it's no great surprise that our season's completely changed since that game at Hull and it's been a real, you know, amazing season from that moment. So maybe Barton is just the um, voice of the rest of the team and that is the, the message that they're putting out there. Or it's just a combination of what his own personal beliefs are and, and what he wants to be as a, like you say, a complete winner. But it's nice to hear, isn't it? It's nice to have that positive attitude. How about that for a contrast as well, by the way? We're a hole now in comparison to, uh, to us. What? Absolutely. Hull are either going to be in the playoffs and they were looking nailed on for promotion at one point. But remember Middlesbrough's seven point gap and the pressure that was going to put us under. What happens to that seven point gap, eh? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. The championship is topsy turvy, maybe like no other league in the world. Uh, I think one, one point on Barton it is important to note was when he signed for the club there were a lot of people who were who certainly had misgivings I think it's fair to say I certainly had misgivings but there was a lot of anger from some fans people talking about taking their season tickets back and not watching Burnley while Joey Barton was a Burnley player looking back Kevin some of the comments were absolutely crazy but it's certainly humble pie all round for, for anyone who doubted him he's been exemplary I think is a good word yeah, definitely. There was, there was, yeah, there was, there was certainly some over the top reactions. Um, if anyone listens back to to some of the one of the, some of the early podcasts at the start of this season, you'll you'll certainly hear um, myself and you, Jamie, um, being quite disappointed by the signing. Um, and yeah, we, we we can 
hugely Ito words. He's been, um, he's been he's been fantastic on the pitch, and I think uh, over time we, we we probably said I think we said that we he was a good, good footballer, but we weren't happy with the influence maybe he was going to have off the field. And actually, it's been polar opposite. He's probably been the one player um, who who's been one of the biggest influences off the, off the field um, in terms of bringing a real positive energy to the club and a real focus to the club. Um, listening to some some of the matches on on Claret's play when we've had form, uh, kind of injured players on like Matt Gilks or um, maybe Dimani I think a couple of times and Ashley Barnes and Djokovic every single time has been a, a injured player on they've always talked so highly about what Joey Barton brings to the to the dressing room and I think actually it's probably some of his um, shall we say um, interesting experiences from the past <laughs> of um probably past. quite yeah they've, they've probably actually helped helped him and us in a way because he's he can bring so much experience of um to the team of what how how to deal with yourself both on the field and off the field how to deal with different pressures how to feel deal with um because because we're we've been so high up the field teams are going to come and play against us in a different way we maybe kind of kick us about a little bit more than we might do he knows how to deal with that he's targeted every match you see uh, ideal it was a it was exactly the same on 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 monday three minutes into the match he was taken out and that happens every single game um he's got all that experience probably a lot more than a lot of players in world football um he he's been able to pass that on and it's it's interesting that we talked about his influence off the field being uh negative and actually it's been it's been the complete opposite yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think it's interesting, maybe as well, the the comparison and the, the sort of similarities between Barton and Andre Gray, arguably two of our most important players this season. They've had all sorts of things happen to them in their past, but it seems to just make them more fo- more focused than ever on their football, and that's only been a, a good thing for us. Um, it it feels unfair to single players out, and obviously we've talked about Sam Volts and Joey Barton, but I think a couple of players deserve. And mention in passing at least Dave Jones, it's four promotions to the championship for him, two with us of course much maligned Dave Jones who came into the side on Monday had a very bad game, <laughs> I think it's fair to say but still put the cross in that Sam Bolt scored for an excellent free kick Stephen Ward who regular listeners to the podcast will be well aware I have a massive football player crush on Stephen Ward 22 games unbeaten since Stephen Ward came into the team at left back is that a coincidence? well that's up to you to decide. Um, Natalie, there's so many players on the pitch at the end of the game. I'd forgotten we're Burnley players almost as well, but everyone's played their part, even if they're players like um, Paul Robinson, who's not even got his gloves on, or, or Lloyd Dyer, who's only played half an hour. Yeah, it certainly does, doesn't it? It feels like we've had a real contribution from an actual squad this season. And there have been times where we've criticised Deitch for not using his squad effectively. But if you look back over the season, there have been some real um, key moments from some players and some real commitment to some people who've pretty much had to spend the entire season on the bench. But they've come in and they've really stepped up when they've been asked to. Just picking up on what you said then about Jones. I mean, obviously, people know we are big fans of Jones on the None and Ever podcast. But we had one tweet came in from Craig Folds who said um, he was actually talking about the goal from the free kick on on Monday. Sorry, and he tweeted us to say how many assists is that for Jones this year? People don't talk about that much, and I think that's really. Ham- 
really hammers in the, the point that you just made then about some of these key players who maybe just go under the radar a little bit, Jamie, but have really contributed very well. And we never really hear people talking about Jones as an assist um, player. Sorry, we don't really talk about Jones as a player who creates much or, you know, gives assists to goals. But he has been popped up with some really important passes this season. I think something else, Jamie, is is you mentioned about the players that we'd forgot even play for Burnley, and um, it's something Sean Dyche has, has talked a lot about is how much energy and effort they're putting to to working with the players who are not in the team. Um, and you, you look at the way, um, I mean, players like Paul Robinson, who only joined us a few a few months ago, hasn't played a minute. Um, so only a few months earlier, he was saying how much he dislikes Burnley. Um, yeah, he was he was he was running around um, when we scored the goal against Middlesbrough. And again on Monday, he's running around like he'd been um, in the team all season and a, a big kind of been with us for quite a while. And I think that's testament to to both Dyche and the and the mentality around of, of, of the squad that even the players who are who are not in the team um, still feel a, a huge part of. Uh, a, a part of the club and you see players like who 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 haven't been playing much and they, they've come in and they've just felt like they've been in the team all season um and maybe with another manager you might see players who are not playing um kind of a little bit dis- disgruntled um but i think it's testament to, to the way dice manages the team but he can make so few players few stuff so i think it's something sean dice had made only something like 23 changes to his lineup all season uh, which is by far the fewest in the league, and you can do that and still keep keep, keep a great um, spirit within the team. That's absolutely right. Uh, just checking the figures, by the way, it's seven assists for David Jones, which is joint top in our team with Andre Gray, perhaps, surprisingly. Um, someone near me in the Cricketville stand on Saturday was complaining about Jones' set pieces. When we got our first corner of the game, he thought our set pieces had been terrible. I don't think Jones had taken any of them, but it was David Jones's fault. So it's just <laughs> another sign of Jones getting stick for uh, basically nothing at all. Um, I suppose but... it makes him the new junior Stanislas. He used to get slated for his corners, <laughs> and then we'd score off the next one. Yeah, well, I think when you score from a set piece, everyone always goes on about the person he stuck it in. But if you don't put the ball in the right place, it's you're not going to get scored from. So. A bit more praise for good set pieces, <laughs> particularly when, when Dave Jones is taking them, he's maybe in store. Uh, moving on from the game itself then and the promotion, um, obviously social media was rife with Burnley fans celebrating and in some cases maybe a touch of gloating against Borough and Brighton fans. Certainly Borough fans deserve it, I think they brought it on themselves, so serves them right. But uh, Tweet of the Week is not just going to be one tweet this week as I'm sure people would have guessed so over to Natalie for an extended tweet tweets of the week special precisely how can we possibly pick one tweet of the week from those hundreds and hundreds of tweets that came through social media at the end of yesterday's game and saw Burnley trending for quite a considerable amount of time um, after the game we are going to adopt the Sean Dyke strategy on the Known and Ever podcast this week and we are going to give a shout out to our entire squad of listeners and fans on Twitter who all sent tweets through to contribute to the euphoria that surrounded promotion again yesterday. Kicking off with that was uh, an official tweet from the Premier League who said to us, back at the first attempt, see you next season, Burnley. And I think that just put everybody in a good mood that this was actually happening. So 
Moving on to our fans themselves, Nick Horton tweeted, two promotions in three seasons and no big money backers. What an achievement. Burnley are back. Michael tweeted, I imagine that like many Twitter clarets, I never thought I'd see Burnley on the Premiership, but now this is three promotions in seven years. Unbelievable. Stanhill Claret, cheers Burr and Brighton, but we were just too good for you. Joshua Utley says, Sean Dyche, Sam Vokes, Michael Keane, Ben Mee, Andre Gray, David John, Scott Harfield. I love and adore you all. Neil Dixon, he says to us, Pep Guardiola at Turf Moor next season. I'll just leave that for you to ponder. Matty Wiseman, what a day. We'll definitely miss the championship, but it's been another unforgettable season. Burnley are back. Georgia Rigby, she says, I bowled my eyes out when they walked back onto the turf. Pride, and I think many of us shed a tear at the end of that game. Matt, he said, absolutely fantastic. We may not have been blowing away teams away this season, but to not lose since Boxing Day is one hell of an achievement. I think that's quite right there. John Robertson, he says, remember everybody, all the pressure is on Burnley. They are chasing us. They are seven points behind and we have a game in hand. I think that's a nice little reminder to our friends down at Borough what, uh, what we achieved this season. We also had a tweet in from a Blackpool fan who said to us, well done, Burnley, a club being run the right way, green with envy here in Blackpool. You lucky, lucky. And I won't repeat the word because it's a family-friendly show. It is a family-friendly show. <laughs> it is. Um, Austin it's like said, the Oscars this. I think someone's going to play you off in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it is. There's only a couple more shout-outs we're going to give. I feel bad for everyone who sent tweets. It hasn't got mentioned. Your tweets must have been rubbish. <laughs> There's only a couple more left. Just bear with us. Um, Austin says, outstanding second half of the season. It ain't always pretty, but it's so effective. Brilliant from Deitch again. And then we had a couple of rather random ones from some of our lesser-known celebrity fans. Holly Willoughby tweeted us to say, congratulations to Burnley. Sean Deitch came down to Celebrity Juice one week. Lovely man. Now it's down to Borough Brighton next week. So I don't think we actually knew that Holly Willoughby was a, a massive fan of Burnley, but there you go. And then the final one... Sean Dyche was a massive fan of Celebrity Juice either. You <laughs> <laughs> learn something new every day. Exactly. That was quite possibly our most random tweet of the entire promotion one. And I'm going to leave you with this one, which is a very important question, um, which ties us in nicely to our build-up to the Charlton game at the weekend. Joanne Cudworth sent in a tweet saying, Right, Twitter Clarets, important question. What is the inflatable of choice for Charlton? Hashtag away days. Um, I think it's, it's Dolphins, isn't it? Do we, we get a definitive answer on the, the inflatable of choice for Saturday? I think everybody went Dolphin, which I dolphin. think it has to be. Dolphin seems to be the inflatable. I don't know what the significance of, of an inflatable Dolphin is, but Dolphin seems to be the one. Um, we'll move on to previewing Charlton and talk to um, Rick from Card. To, to... You say you don't want to put a few more tweets in? There's some people who... <laughs> I think there's some Twitter users in Israel who haven't had a shout out yet. Yeah, is that, is We're that all... everything? Guys, you know, share the love. It's a promotion podcast, and we've got to thank our listeners for making our promotion experience on social media so positive. Come on. I, I'm just I'm just feeling sorry for whoever you haven't read out because I mean they're probably now wondering, you know, what have I done wrong? Well, I don't think Should so. I to be put... fair. Floods of tears throughout Burnley now. <laughs> breaking hearts and not in every podcast. I think a thousand fans have just deactivated their Twitter accounts. <laughs> so to be a, fair, a, at one point there were forty-nine thousand tweets about Burnley. I don't think I can read all of them out, Birdie. I thought you were going to say know. there were forty-nine thousand tweets on my shortlist. I did actually sleep at some point last night. <laughs> <Tweet of a week. laughs> I was about to say you were giving it a go. 
there is about another there's probably about twice as many of those tweets but i underestimated how long it was going to take to read them <laughs> out so there was about another about another same amount of those that have just been binned on live on air so apologies to everybody i didn't read out but well done everybody we'll try and uh, we'll put them in a story file or something so that everyone can see um our selections for the best tweets that went out after the game, that's probably just something that we should have done instead of reading out 7 million tweets on the podcast. Moving on then, we'll preview Charlton at the end of the podcast and we're also going to hear from Rick from Card to find out what protests are being planned for Saturday's game with the title, of course, up for grabs at the Valley. Um, but one final question to, before we move on to, go, to ask the panel. We tweeted a poll earlier in the day. Nearly 500 people have had their say on this. Simply put, who do you want to join us in the Premier League, Brighton or Borough? Natalie, you go first. Brighton or Borough, what would your preference be? Brighton, I'm afraid. But only because Brighton reminds me very much of us in 2009. They've not had a massive investment. They've not had um, a lot of money behind them. Their, their moment to really progress as a, as a business, as a team, is, is to um, get promotion. So I, for me, it's Brighton. No, I'm not sure about the investment. I think they've invested off the pitch rather than on it, which isn't quite the same, maybe. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts? Anyone but Boa. <laughs> I wanted that I just, to be the poll, but I think it had already gone up by the time I decided that would be funny. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just dreaming of um, Karanka, Karanka's post-match interview after missing out on, um, missing out on promotion completely, and then crumbling, crumbling in the playoffs to a six-nil defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm just praying to see that. So yeah, anyone but Boa. Well, I tweeted this in the aftermath of, of Monday's game. Didn't get in tweet of the week, so obviously wasn't that good. But um, it's just a shame that Karanka wasn't our manager. Otherwise, would have been promoted in February, won't we? So, um, James Brighton or Borough, What's your preference? Brighton. <laughs> Any particular reason why? I, I think Borough's quite nice. Actually, the the ground. Actually, I don't really like the town that much. The, the ground's quite nice. Um, I'm not sure why they called the seagulls, though, because there's not really that many seagulls there. I mean, they should try spending a day in Baron Finesse. You'd be sick of the things. Also Cutting edge analysis on none and ever. There's Se- not enough seagulls in Brighton. <laughs> actually, now the more I think about it, just because they've got a seagull in the badge, I'm actually going off them a bit as I speak. <laughs> I don't understand why... I assume there's a reason behind the seagulls thing, but aren't seagulls really unpopular? I don't understand why you'd... Seagulls, seagulls are vile and horrible. Vicious. <laughs> And they're protected, so you can't even do anything about the fact that they're like a horde of like vicious animals. It's outrageous. Tune in next, tune in next week, listeners, as we, we spend an hour talking about our favourite birds. <laughs> do you know what? You guys have just absolutely slated me for having too long a Tweet of the Week section. We've not descended to talking about how seagulls are in yeah, Brighton. What? Talking about seagulls. Um, Good I, content, guys. Adam, Adam will edit all this out. Adam will edit all this out. It's fine, it's fine. Anyway, the result... Well, I did recently come across a seagull in Tesco's in, in Barrow, which was quite frightening, actually. Just They're like, aggressive. Out getting his dinner? No, he was in the, he was in the technology area. <laughs> Obviously, but there was a anyway. there was a bit of banter actually with Tesco's on Twitter about it. They were very concerned about the seagulls' welfare. I, however, was not. Um, <laughs> I was just more bothered that I thought he was going to attack me. 
Outstanding. <laughs> anyway, the result of that poll that I mentioned about 10 minutes ago on the podcast before we started talking about seagulls, or I can't even remember why, 89% of you want Brighton to get promoted and 11% of you want Middlesbrough to get promoted. I'm sure most of that is... Translation, to... Jamie. 11% of people who took the vote are Middlesbrough fans. <laughs> Possibly. I think I, I, I wanted to vote anyone but Borough, but I voted Brighton just so I could see the poll results. <laughs> So, yeah, I think everyone's fingers crossed for Brighton. Although, actually, I'd, I'd probably prefer Borough. I think they're just a, a a proper club, more like us, like a bit northern, a bit provincial maybe. With Brighton, it's a bit middle class and safe and a bit plastic, I think. I don't oh, all those bloody greens suddenly getting into football, now they're good. Uh, now it's I think safe. one thing that you need to, to consider as well, Jamie, is that I'm, this is purely on a completely selfish point of view, but this is... We need to think about Premier League survival next season. So one of the factors for who goes up and who stays up is very much who do we think we can beat next year into 17th place and stay up. And I genuinely think that we've got a better chance of Brighton going back down than we do. But I think Burry may go up and stay up. I don't know. I think if they kept Karanka, I don't think Karanka would cope with the Premier League particularly well at all. But that's certainly something to talk about um, in the podcast moving forward. Um Looking ahead to the weekend game, then Burnley travelling to Charlton for the last game of the season. Borough hosting Brighton, of course, the other game in the potential title race, or they're more concerned about getting promotion at this stage. I spoke to Rick, editor of The Voice of the Valley fanzine earlier, to find out what protests have been planned for Saturday and to talk about the prospect of an abandonment, which I know some Burnley fans have been quite concerned about. Rick, first of all, a lot of Burnley fans might not know exactly what's been going on at Charlton apart from seeing headlines about protests and stuff like that. Can you fill us in about a bit of the background about how it's got to this situation? Yeah, I mean, it's the culmination really of of two years of growing unrest at Charlton, um, which goes back to when the club was bought in January 2014 by a Belgian millionaire called Roland Duchatelet. Within two months, um, he'd sold Jan Kermigan to Bournemouth which was um, uh, about as an unpopular transfer move as you could possibly make. And he was the iconic figure in the team. He was the star striker. The fans loved him. He loved playing for Charlton. Um, And he was removed as part of some spreadsheet calculation um, because he was, uh, you know, in his 30s and Duchatelet didn't see any value in in keeping him when he could get him out for a fee. Um, and a month later, Chris Powell, uh, the manager and former player who'd been um, instrumental in getting Charlton out of League One in 2012, was sacked. Um, and, it, and the team at the time was was at the bottom of the championship, but we also had about five games in hand on some of the teams down there and, and eventually escaped relegation with a, with a game to spare. And, um, you know, it's a matter of dis- debate whether or not Powell would have kept the team in the division, but Powell was a hugely popular figure at Charlton. So we had this ownership that we were uncertain about where it was going and what it intended to do. Um, and the guy um, has consistently brought in players from Europe um, with very little reputation in this country and usually very little ability to play in this country. So last season, 2014-15, was a, um, a, a struggle against relegation. We had... Um, we had another change of manager. Well, we had, we had a new manager at the start of the season. He was removed and replaced in January. Um, 
and the team eventually stayed up quite comfortably because it had a good run of results in the spring, but it certainly wasn't a very happy state of affairs. And then there was another big turnover of players uh, last summer. They started the season quite well, um, but things have gone rapidly downhill from about September, October. They simply didn't have enough defenders, didn't have enough players and didn't have enough quality. And we had yet another change of manager in October, uh, brought in a guy from the Belgian third division who was completely hopeless. He lasted about 12 or 13 games. And then we had another manager come in in uh, January. So we've had six managers in the two, two and a bit years that Roland de Châtelet has been in charge. And obviously what happens on the pitch is a big driver, but also what they're doing off the pitch is just completely mad. Um, for example, you, you now can't buy a ticket for a game at the Valley on two days of the week because they've given the ticket office over to a, a public health call centre. Um, and the ticket staff are now based upstairs. But that's just a small example of, of a lot of the crazy things that have gone on at Charlton in the last two and a half years. And uh, clearly it's, it's built to a climax because the team's been relegated. I'm sure a lot of Burnley supporters saw the protest last weekend in the game against Brighton with the beach balls on the pitch and things like that. And some fans, I think, were concerned about the prospects of an abandonment on the last day, which I think had been mentioned on one of the Charlton fan forums. But um, CARD, the, the organisation coordinating the protest, they're quite clear, aren't they, that abandonment is not the goal on Saturday? Yeah, what, what we've tried to do in the in the four months that CARD has existed is bring together various groups that were party to protests and bring a bit of organisation and management to it. And uh, I think we've been quite successful and you, you'll have seen... Hopefully, the, the protests on the television. We had a big protest at a televised game against Middlesbrough. We've had a massive um, mock funeral possession. We have 5,000 people on the march against Brighton. Um, but we've tried to keep the... Although we've been... Um, we've interrupted the games to make a point. We've tried to keep it within certain limitations um, to avoid bringing us into direct conflict with the police, really. Um, we want to remove the ownership. We're not really about... Um, you know, disrupting other people's football matches because we recognise that there are two teams involved. And, and funnily enough, though, two of the biggest protests have been against Middlesbrough and Brighton. Um, so it's ironic that though, the three clubs vying for promotion, and obviously Burnley have now been promoted, uh, all come all have all come to the Valley in this this sequence of matches. Um, we wanted to send a bit of a message really about Saturday because Charlton fans will protest on Saturday. We'll protest every time we get an opportunity at the Valley. Um, but we don't see that it's appropriate um, to stop a game uh, at this stage of the season. Now, if we were playing Blackburn Rovers on Saturday or somebody who had nothing to play for, we might take a different attitude as it's the last sure. game. But obviously there's, there's yeah. certainly title. Yeah, we, we appre- I mean, obviously Burnley have now been promoted, but we appreciate that Burnley will want, will want to go on and win the title. And, um, and equally, the, the Middlesbrough and Brighton will be playing their match and, and they'll want to know what their situation is um, at the end of their game, and it's, we don't have any quarrel with them. And in particular, you know, we have a good relationship with Brighton, which goes back many years. Um, and that's why one of the reasons there was a big demonstration when they came, because they joined in. That was going to be my next question. I saw there was a lot of good feeling between the two sets of supporters after that game. Can you give us any idea about what sort of process there will be on Saturday and, and what can Burnley fans do to, to show solidarity for the situation that's unfolded at Charleston over the last couple of years? Um, yeah, we don't disclose what we're going to do on the day because obviously in advance, because we don't want to give the club um, too much of a heads up. Um, but what we're trying to do on Saturday is to gear our process around um, 
making a big statement and causing the child administration problems without actually um, causing the Burnley fans too much inconvenience. Um, and you'll have, to, you'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. But um, <laughs> th- there will be things happening and, and you, you'll probably find things, um, you'll see things on the street, Burnley fans, as, uh, as you arrive uh, that are uh, relevant to what's going on. I mean, the, the one big thing I would say that Burnley fans can do is to spend as little money as possible inside the ground. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the facilities inside that stand are pretty cramped anyway, so the access to the refreshments, etc., is not that good. Um, but we do appeal to people coming, uh, child supporters and visiting supporters, not to spend money and, and give any sucker to this regime because it's one of the one of the tools that we can use to, um, you know, to influence them. Uh, are there any sort of chance that Burnley fans will be able to join in with during the game? Well, there'll be plenty of chance about Roland out, and we want Roland out. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we can learn those. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, as the, the game's on television, that's a particular attraction uh, for us as well, as with the Middlesbrough game. When we played them a month or so ago, it's, um, it gives us an opportunity to speak to the, to the wider football world. And, and, I mean, that's another reason why we're not, we're not proposing to destroy the game on Saturday, because I don't think that the football community as a whole would respect that. And I think we have gained uh, a fair amount of respect from other clubs from the process that have gone on at recent matches. And and we need the support of other clubs and other supporters. Uh, Because I think in these situations, you tend to find that football fans do recognise the similarities between their clubs. We've certainly been in touch with people at Leeds and with people at um, Blackpool. Um, And, you know, as I said in the past, we've been involved with protests at Brighton. So um, we want to keep everybody on side. Um, we're not again. We're not campaigning against other football clubs. We're campaigning against the people who are ruining our club. Of course. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Rick, and, and best of luck with with all the process. Hopefully, you'll get what you're looking for. I'm sure all Burnley fans have a lot of sympathy for for what's happened to your football club, and there's no way we'd want to see something similar happen to us. Now, congratulations on, on getting back into the Premier League. Thanks very much. So that was Rick from Card. Um, Natalie, I suppose it's it's going to be a weird atmosphere, isn't it, at the Valley? Because we're going to be in party mood, especially if we get the title one, whereas Charlton are understandably furious at the direction their club's been going in. Yeah, they are, and they have actually been protesting for a good few weeks now, haven't they? I think one of my Middlesbrough fans, um, friends has been saying that, you know, way back when they played them, which you know wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough to, to for it to still be very topic of them they were still trying to get their game disrupted um, and that was a few weeks ago now um it's not something that i've been paying an awful lot of attention to unfortunately so um it's not something i'm particularly clued up on it only become really at the forefront of my mind when it looked like we were going to need to go to uh, to the ground to the game at the last game of the season and actually get promotion there um since uh, since I've found out about it and I've been reading up on it, it you know, I, I can very much see why they're protesting where they are. And they have got themselves a lot of support from the football community of all all the grounds and fans and, and some of the national media as well are, are picking up on this and saying that they completely and utterly stand behind them and their um, protests and, and what they want to do to the club. There have been a few um, niggles and a few bits of, of nastiness on, on social media over the week where Charlton fans have very much accused us of being very selfish in, in wanting promotion and it all being about us on the end of the season. This was this was prior to yesterday's game. Um, but obviously at the time, I think we were a little bit concerned about their selfishness in, in only con- you know getting themselves concerned about their own club and, and not the effect it would have on our game. 
I am much, 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 much more relieved that we have sewn this up now and it's not, you know, we're not going down to the game needing to get a result to get promoted because I do think it's going to be a nightmare. Like you say, they have come out and said that they're not going to get the game abandoned, which is a relief. Um, but I do expect it to be a very difficult game and I expect us, I actually expect us to not be able to celebrate after the game. I don't think there will be any kind of, um, if we do win the title, I don't expect there to be any kind of presentation and I don't think we will be able to get our players on the pitch just because I think the, the Charlton fans will invade the pitch and they will make some real protests so I think it's going to spoil the end of the game for us I think it's going to rob us of a you know the chance to, to celebrate the players one more time but you know I can understand where Charlton are coming from to be honest it's, it's a difficult situation isn't it because I'm sure no Burnley fans would want to swap um, our situation for theirs and this can happen to, to clubs if you have someone who comes in and buys the club it's essentially theirs to do what they want with it there and the chap in charge of Charlton just using them as a bit of a, a play thing and I'm sure we'd all be rightly furious if it happened to us but James we've, we've got a title to win and that's that's got to be our focus on Saturday although I'm sure Burnley fans do sympathise with what's happening at Charlton Yeah of course it's difficult not to sympathise with Sympathise. I mean, sometimes I even feel almost sorry for Blackburn fans that they have to put up with Venkis. Only almost. Um, oh, yeah, only almost. But not quite enough. But um, you know, I, I think Card's approach is right. That it, it'd be um, it'd be wrong really to to try and disrupt the game. You know, when there's still a title on the line for one of the teams, and uh, you know, I, I know some of their fans believe that it's bigger than the the championship. It's bigger than the title. Um, but really, if you disrespect the league, I mean, what are you protesting against? I think you, you know, you're almost as bad as your owner who's treating you like a, a simple play thing and disrespecting his club. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think, I think the future of a, yeah, it's it's one of those. The future of a club, yeah, is is more important than than one bit of what a match. But it's 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 very different ways to do things, aren't there? And like it's, like you said, no Burnley fan is is going to kind of not want them to, to protest in some way. I think Burnley fans, if they if they do as they sound it hopefully are, if they present protest in the right way, I'm sure Burnley fans will get well behind them. Um and hopefully that will happen. My favourite thing though was earlier in the week when there were some fans on the Charlton Message Sports talking about getting the game called off. <laughs> there was uh, quite a few fans who who said it was it was only sporting that they disrupt the match because they've disrupted Brighton and Borough's match so it would be unfair <laughs> it would yeah. be unfair if they didn't disrupt our match which was an uh... interesting way of justifying throwing sprouts on the pitch which is what they were talking about on that forum um, so it certainly remains to be seen what happens I'm sure I keep saying Burnley fans will sympathise with it but it's, it's, it is difficult when we've got to go there and try and win the title I think Natalie, it's inevitable that our game's going to finish after Borough v Brighton, isn't it? So it's, it's certainly going to be clear to us whether we've won the title or whether we've still got more to do in the last few minutes of that game. Yeah, I expect so. Um, it would have been quite an interesting dynamic, wouldn't it, if, there, if it had have gone to the end of the season. Let's say we'd have just drawn against QPR and we all had to go into that final game on the it same amount of It could have been very messy, points. couldn't it? Because Borough and Brighton could, could rightly have protested that we then had an advantage by finishing last, although I'm sure that would have been negated by the distraction of, of whatever protests had led to that. 
absolutely you're quite right i think you know with it, with so much at stake and the high tensions running in a game like that um i think you know you could have had arguments from all three sides about who's been unfairly disadvantaged and or who's got the better there but i think with it just being the title at stake and i genuinely think that both Brighton and Borough fans and the clubs themselves will be going into Saturday's game uh, just thinking about promotion. I genuinely don't think they will care about the the title. If they end up winning it, if let's say for some reason we end up losing against Charlton and you know one of them wins by quite a significant margin, then yes, they'll be delighted with the title. It's a very nice to have, but they're they're absolute focus on Saturday will just be winning that game and getting up in first place so even though there will be disruptions and you know our game will probably last I expect a good 15 to 20 minutes after they've finished I expect ours will still be going or will be coming to an end then then yeah we just need to, to keep like you say we just need to keep focused and at least we'll know what we need to do but if we end up taking an early lead like say dream scenario with two or three goals up by half time then I don't think it's going to make that much difference anyway and the great thing is it doesn't matter Exactly. Uh, obviously, exactly. obviously, we'd like to win True. the league, but but nobody I remembers it. Now, though, nobody, remember, nobody remembers champions. You remember who goes up, but champ. Well, not according to Joey Bart, he said the opposite, didn't he? No one remembers he's in second place. I'm sure, fans of that could do, but maybe everyone else doesn't. Yeah. Looking ahead to the the game, then obviously we talked a lot about the off off the pitch fair, obviously. Um, on the field, Burnley are a, a much superior team to Charlton this season, although they did win at Leeds last weekend, so they are capable of results, maybe with the, the pressure off now that they are relegated. Um, one thing I'd like to see, actually, I hope that, that Michael Duff is on the bench um, for this game, simply because I do expect him to retire from playing in the summer. Hopefully he'll stay at the club in some sort of backroom role, and I think it would be nice to to give him some some recognition of what a fantastic career He's had for us over 10 years as a player, a hell of a lot of appearances, cost almost nothing, arguably one of the best signings in our history. So I'd really like us to be a couple of goals up by the end, bring Duff on for the last few minutes, just to, to really get us the chance to, to show our appreciation. Um, James, obviously the process are going to dominate Saturday's game, but do you expect Burnley to, to go out there with complete focus? Certainly Joey Barton looks like he's going to be dragging them through the game as ever because he's so determined to get that medal. Yeah, no, I, I think we'll, uh, you know, I think the pressure will be off. Um, we'll come out, we'll play free-throwing football. I think Andre Gray is going to maybe have a, a target in his mind of how many goals he wants. He's going to score a triple hat-trick. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's going to get out of hand, double figures maybe even. <laughs> The triple. It's interesting that you, you keep predicting more goals for Andre Gray when he's um, stopped scoring a little bit recently. He's saving them all. For obviously, I'm being a yeah. Obviously, yeah, obviously, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but um, it would be incredible if that happened. I don't doubt that has ever happened before. But if it did, that'd be that'd be a good record to have on the last day of the season. Right? Now, I, I do think it'd be comfortable, and you know, we'll probably score uh, two or three at least, if if not, um, you know, four. Um, I don't think Charlton's players will be in the best of moods when the fans are all berating the club. Obviously, I know it's not necessarily aimed at the players, but it still can't be the most uh, motivating ground to play in at the moment. And, you know, Burnley players will just have one thing on their mind, and that'll be making sure that the title's theirs. It'll be interesting to see, to see how we play, because it's probably the first time in, in a long time that the the team will be able to play without pressure um like i said obviously we, we want to win the title but we don't 
it's 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 far from the end of the world if we don't win. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if if we do if we do play a little bit more a little bit more excitingly, maybe if we take a few more risks. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that, how that turns out. Uh, I think it's an opportunity to put on a show, isn't it, for for the fans that go and the fans that have watched us all season because. Let's be honest, Burnley have watched more and we're all delighted, but it's been a bit of a chore watching Burnley at times. So I think it's an opportunity to go out there and show really what we can do, Natalie, and prove that, that we are the best team in the league because although we all know it, fans of other clubs have been typically bitter and sour grapes about it, saying that Burnley have bullied their way to promotion despite the fact we've had no records or suspensions or that we fluked it somehow. I don't know how you fluke getting 90 points from 45 games, but it's an opportunity to... to to just demonstrate what we can do and show our superiority. Yes, I think so. And I really think that we should take this opportunity just to prove to people that we are the real deal this season and that we have deserved to be where we are. Every single little bit of criticism or nastiness that's come our way from opposing fans just to try and derail us has been proven wrong. So this time, you know, people are saying that we, you know, scabbed the league somehow and that we didn't deserve to be up there you can't argue with champions the champions there for a reason and i really want us to go out there and win that title and i think we will absolutely we'll round off with predictions as ever then james we'll start with you you're obviously very confident you're going to give us a sensible prediction or sticking with the andre gray triple hat trick um i'm going to go for three now andre gray I'm not, though, right? I'm not going to commit to the andre gray hat trick <laughs> that means it'll probably happen um kevin yeah, I usually predict uh, a narrow 1-0 win. I'm going to go for a, a comfortable 2-0 win this time, though. <laughs> really splashing out and breaking the floodgates. That what can I say? Over the can, I'm getting carried away. Win. I'm getting carried away by promotion here. It's just it's going crazy. Natalie, <laughs> uh, dare I ask, the reverse psychology is going to keep going despite the fact promotion's in the bag? No, we are keeping going. Oh, I wow. am taking Joey Barton's words to heart and I am not taking my foot off the pedal till this season is done we've not won anything yet and I'm being a team player so I think and I'm really worried about the disruptions by the Charlton fans and I think it's going to derail us and I'm concerned that they're going to scab something like a 2-0 win something like a 2-0 but they gave Brighton a game actually Brighton needed a, a, a comeback after Charlton inquiry so they're maybe not as bad as they've been painted although the league table doesn't lie they are the worst team in the league um, but that's about it for this week's podcast the promotion special on known and ever hopefully next week we'll have a championship winning special to talk about victory at Charlton of course the win is good enough for Burnley and if it's a draw at the Riverside a draw will be good enough for Burnley as well so chances are Burnley will be crowned champions of the championship on our way back to the Premier League thanks to everyone who sent in tweets for Natalie to read out she went through most of them but apologies if yours didn't quite make the cut and thanks to Adam who does a fantastic job editing the podcast particularly some of the ones in recent weeks that have been an absolute shambles thanks to everyone who's listened and got in touch you can still email us or tweet us tweet us at nonanevernet or email us at podcast at nonanever.net we are also now actively seeking a sponsor for next year, our season in the Premier League. Um, so if you are a business owner or work for a business that you think will be interested in that, please do get in touch and we'll send over all the details for that as well. But that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks to James, Natalie and Kevin for joining us. I've been Jamie Smith and we'll see you next time. Bye. There's a bit of a building site next to the shipyard and it's basically just like seagull heaven. <clears throat> everywhere. They look pretty until you realise that they're vicious as fuck.
I, right, I need to go and cook my uh, cook my bread now, so I'll. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it away from seagulls, Kev. I'll I'll, I'll try you my best. Me. have it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.